tough as nails. Season two, episode five is in the books, and we are here to talk about it at the halfway point of Tough as Nails season two. I am Rob Sesternino, and I'm ready to feed you everything you need to know about Tough as Nails as uh, we uh, are going to, I guess, uh, maybe have a cold one, but usually it's like uh, coffee and tea for podcasts. It's not really uh, a lot of beers, especially at the time of day that we record, but Excited to uh, discuss everything that went on this week on Tough as Nails. Uh, back with us, Jessica Lee's Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. I, I put my chair together just so that I could Perfect. get on this podcast with you. And P.S. I just want to I just want to thank Mike Bloom for not wearing plaid. So it's not a thing where I have to get up and change my shirt today. <laughs> OK, good to hear. Uh, and then, of course, uh, give it up for the great. Mr. Mike Bloom. You know what they say, Jess. Two is a coincidence. Three is a pattern. Four is mandatory. So uh, <laughs> I'm happy as well that the dress code is not necessarily enforced here. Happy to be here. The podcaster that is definitively all foam and no substance here to, to make things a little more frothy today. Yes. Jess, I feel like that uh, you would uh, be able to pour a beer. No problem. Is that implying something about my lifestyle, Rob? Yeah, I just feel like that if, you know, if, if we were at a party and it was me and Mike and you, I, I feel like that somebody would probably should trust Jess best of the three to yeah, be able to get. If someone says, hey, we got to tap this keg and they're yeah. furtively glanced at all three of us, they're going to you, Jess, and being like, yeah. I need you to help me with this. But to be fair, you guys, that's probably most tasks requiring baseline practical competence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just stating. <laughs> I'm just going there. Um, I have, in fact, uh, I have, in fact, replaced a beer line, but not in many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, not since I tended bar before I was old enough to drink so i'd have to take a refresher course but i would be confident that i could eventually do it a refreshment course uh mike have you ever tapped a keg i mean listen rob you and i both come from fraternity roots i Mm -hmm. think it's something that i've certainly attempted a couple times but (laughs) sort of like what the toughest nails contestants say right like when you're on the job site usually have guys that do that type of thing Mm -hmm. usually have workers Mm -hmm. i feel like you sort of had like there were the keg people you know that was there that was their thing that was their area it is a fair point to say that um of the three of us on this panel two of us were in a frat and one of us went to an all women's college that never partied so Mm -hmm. there is that point Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to think if I like I don't have any vivid memories of ever uh, doing it, but the, well, that doesn't mean problem, that it though, didn't happen. The, the, mem- the memories aren't yeah. vivid. I think it's the entire issue with said keg in the first place. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So uh, interesting overtime in the uh, tough as nails uh, this week as we visited uh, one of uh, L.A. FC's most prized stadiums, uh, not a venue that I was familiar with. Yeah, who would have thought, like, I'm surprised, was Taryn there? Was Could you see Melissa in the background <laughs> shots? Because it went to the LAFC. Yeah, uh, but it was a beautiful venue that they went to. It was not something that screamed, like, tough as nails to me, Jess, in terms of a locale. But I do feel like that we're sort of trying to be a little creative here in season two. Well, that was something that Phil got into with us last week. He talked about... Um, how they did have to sort of think about what are their limitations in the pandemic and the stadium seemed like kind of a perfect place if you need to film and you have a whole list of like parking requirements and bathroom requirements and how far people can stand from one another you can't do better than a stadium i i totally get it Mm -hmm. well we'll talk through all of the challenges here in uh this episode but it was selly who is eliminated here uh in the uh she goes head to head with knuckles in the uh keg tapping and beer pouring challenge and ultimately uh she she comes up short uh mike are you sad to see selly out of the individual competition first is that a joke about her height rob because i think she would take a, a lot of offense what yeah, what I- was that you said she came up short, and I think she is. A no, I wasn't. Uh, that, no, come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't want. Slow hanging fruit. Yeah, uh, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm sad. And look, when we, when we did this podcast back in episode one, and you asked me who is someone who pops out to you, I said it began and ended with Selly. Sully was always a, a fantastic go-to person. She was a very unique person in that she was the first medical professional cast on the show. She represents a lot given the time at which this was filmed. 
than just how much uh, essential workers and particular those that are sort of on the front lines of everything in hospitals have been pushed to the forefront. You know, Selly is so individually unique in that perspective when it comes to the show. And, and so it was tough. You know, I I do wonder to a certain extent, I, I don't want to draw complete comparisons between this season and last season, she was a little bit of the Michelle, right? Mm-hmm. The person who, when you're looking at uh, both from a physical perspective and like from a career perspective, does she fit in with, with a lot of this other blue collar job, you know, occupational cast? Maybe not, but she was able to hang tough for a few episodes, much like Michelle. It's tough if you had to get rid of her knuckles because knuckles has uh, really become like, you know, maybe it was a an angel sort of being supplanted in terms of big storylines as of last episode. Like this episode was all about Knuckles. She's now gone four episodes where she's been in overtime twice, technically mm-hmm. speaking. So it's it's been a surprising couple of trips to the bottom for somebody that we had called a front runner since the very first episode. Yeah, that is interesting in terms of like what the edit is giving us versus like performance wise, because, uh, you know, I didn't really feel like that uh, Knuckles was in danger, uh, Jess, but she has been uh, in the bottom a couple of these weeks. Well, she's gotten the personal story bump, personal story bump times. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she gets uh, a lot of attention paid to her story. But I think she might be shaping up to be like the young of this competition mm-hmm. where we learn a lot about her because she's always going to have a major role in the in what goes on that day, whether it's being in the bottom or leading the team to the top. And it's possible that she's sort of young, except when she's not and she's leading the pack. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's very fun on the show. I think she's a big personality. I love the moment when she wins in the overtime and then pounds the beer. That, that was uh, incredible. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, she's she not just like, oh, let me take a ginger sip. She flat out just like chugs the beer, throws <laughs> it down and then says like, all right, Phil, give me another. I do wonder, uh, you know, maybe Phil can talk about this in a future installment as to we did get the the cooler of beers and soda a couple of episodes ago. Were yeah. they allowed to imbibe on this work site as well? Hmm. It looks like it. Um, I don't know if that's beer you'd want to drink. That's going to be my number one question for Phil, because they gave all the beers names like relevant tough as nails beer names, which I'm sure we're going to get into later on in the program. But Mm -hmm. did they actually make tough as nails beers or are these is this like is this like Bud Light and Blue Moon and other like hashtag basic beers? Yeah, I th- I suspect that. I, I don't I don't think that they brewed their own uh, beers just for this challenge for Tough as Nails. Unless they're trying to launch a product, in which case I think it's mm. beautiful synergy. But I also think if they're really trying to launch a product, they would have when they steamed the labels off of the other beers, they would have put the Tough as Nails beer labels on there. So you'd be intrigued and then they would serve it to you officially in this episode. Yeah, they could have had a challenge where it's like, OK, you've served the beers. Now you have to bottle them. And then it's talking about working in a warehouse. And then, you know, there'd be a commercial where Phil and his, you know, Batman voice is like tough as nails now sells its own line of beverages. Check it out at CBS.com. Wait, when they when they're bottling the beers, is one of them going to like put the put their glove on the beer and then wave at it as it goes by? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Only only if they filmed in in what Minneapolis. Right. But that would be the case. (laughs) That's Milwaukee, Mike. Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Uh, Laverne and Swifty. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's no Squiggy is Swifty. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so let's uh, talk about uh, the uh, big stadium task where that it takes 28 hours to turn the field uh, into a field to a concert venue. And uh, that it seemed like that uh, this is such a massive undertaking because even like a small strip of the field was enough to be a tough as nails challenge to turn it back from a concert into a uh, back to the soccer field. But uh, I would imagine it's been a long time since they've had any concerts there. It's been a minute. You know what was a really jarring shot, Rob? Was when they're talking about how the stadium is this beautiful venue where they've celebrated lots of victories and defeats. Then they show a shot of the stadium packed with people. And I like seriously did a full body cringe when I saw that. It was really (laughs) hard to look at. Yeah. It's like, remember when people used to pack stadiums? Like that was a thing. God, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) Now they now they just pack beer crates. Uh, I, I also did like 
sometimes they like to bring in this narrative, right? This false idea, like last season was, oh, there's this cul-de-sac that's being destroyed, so you gotta move everyone out. And this mm-hmm. time was, oh, we had a real rager in here last night. Smashing Pumpkins took over the LAFC <laughs> stadium. Now you gotta deconstruct it all and pack it away so we can start the big game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what would the, the act have been? Could it have been a uh, like tough as nails themed act? It would have been like tough as nails style music, which to me, like just no. screams like Bob Seger or George. <laughs> <Bill> <laughs> or no, it, it, would, it would have been a cover band called tough as nine inch nails, which just only covers nine oh, inch God. nails songs. But they like all wear like uh, lineman gear or fireman's outfits. Mm-hmm. This is like the village people meets nine inch nails. <laughs> I, I now I want this to happen. Could uh, our musical listeners out there get this together? Like rent some costumes, make this happen. Yeah, it's fine to be tough as N A I L S. Are you trying to get the tough as nails wand off going? Yeah, are, what are we calling the tough as nails wand off? The, oh, the, the, the drywall off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we had drywall the musical last year mm-hmm. so that's true okay all right well we're gonna try to go ahead and uh, you have to put all of the plastic tiles that are locked up away but then also you had to either painting the lines and uh, like putting up the soccer goals was uh like an interesting choice for like i i like i do feel like that the like moving the the plastic sheets was like a tough as nails task but then also like painting the field uh seemed like that that was just like a like an extra step here uh although it was Highly comical uh, freight trains, a very methodical (laughs) approach to painting the lines. Well, to that point, Rob, I I have an interesting theory on that. Yes. And that is um, I I have noticed that we have quite a lot of different like the tasks break down a little bit differently this season. And I wonder if that is to take a little bit more away from the. Like, you're just going to go do this grueling physical labor task and whoever bangs it out the fastest and comes up with the best strategy is going to win. And more of a we're focusing more on delegation and on the mental toughness tasks. And I feel like we're seeing a lot more of the I'm going to call it. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's the freight train task. <laughs> like You don't necessarily want him hauling those giant sheets of plastic the whole time. So let's give him something else to do that requires the quote unquote mental toughness and that that's an interesting way to frame it because i think they want to they want to expand their rubric of tough this year Mm -hmm. it seems like the tasks are calling on a bigger variety of skills in every task yeah uh also had to put up the soccer goals and then also uh get the flags uh place so I, i do like that they have to sort of like uh basically like where are you putting your troops in terms of uh delegating the people on the team but the bulk of the action took place in the center of the field where you had to unlock your tiles and really uh a lot of focus on Angel and just we talked last week about Angel about how it was such a letdown for him to uh, be out of the competition. Even Zeus was crying about uh, Angel being eliminated. They gave him seemingly at the end of this. Uh, the the did he get the full twelve thousand dollars or he just got to hold it? It looks like they gave it to him. I don't know if they really wow. gave it to him or if that yes. was just a shot, but it did seem like everybody was very committed to making sure angel was taken care of even though he wasn't in the com- in the competition are they are they allowed to do that yeah i, I think this brings up an interesting question and uh I mean, it's not it's not uh the yao man truck situation mike no whatever they but want it, you know um uh, so i have been watching some old reality shows and uh you know i know mike is well versed in the uh pirate master 2007 cbs classic uh and and when on pirate master one team would win the money and then it was up to sort of like the leader of the team to sort of like delegate like how the prize was doled out to the officers from that team it does open up a potential like interesting scenario on top of his nails of like does the team sort of like get to the side of like okay well 
you know, Angel, you were the MVP. You get six thousand of this, and everybody else, you know, you take, uh, you know, uh, twelve hundred from the rest. Or the, that would be for with six people. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, they, mm-hmm. it, it, in the past, it was always everybody is going to get, you know, an equal portion. This is the first time that we are opening things up where one person takes all of it. Yeah, it's it's a really intriguing idea. And I guess the reason why I, I even asked, are they allowed to do that is because going to a show like Survivor or Big Brother, you're technically contractually not allowed to pool money. You're not allowed to be like, OK, we'll just get this far and then we'll split the cash 50 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just goes against the spirit of the competition. But the spirit of competition exists very differently in a show like Tough as Nails. So, yeah, to your point, Rob, I do wonder if it's sort of like an unwritten rule that the crew boss gets to decide how the money is delegated. And then maybe in this instance, you know, you you had someone say, ah, well, you know, Freight Train says, ah, we're, we're going to give it all to Angel today. Whereas maybe every single other episode that preceded this one in both seasons, it was the crew boss saying, yeah, we'll just divide it evenly. Mm. I doubt it, Mike. I think they probably had this conversation before the task. Like, if we win this, we should give it all to Angel because he's out of the competition and he needs it more than the rest of us. That seems like a very tough as nails thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that had to be a group decision. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like if that was the case, though, wouldn't we have heard about it? Right. Doesn't that feel like something that's just too good of a TV moment that they would make outright mention of if we win this, all the money is going to Angel? Maybe, but I, I have a feeling if Phil was in here, Phil would be talking about it extensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do wonder, though, it, you know, uh, and Selly is uh, Savage Crew. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if there is another member of uh, Dirty Hands that gets eliminated, like, will they say like now? OK, well, are we are we splitting the team money between me and Angel now? Like, I'm out of the competition, too. <laughs> well. I, I doubt it because I think Selly is probably in a very different position from Angel. Mm-hmm. I think they added like not just you also have to note that Angel was really one of the MVPs of this task. Yes. And I think he was working like three times as hard as anyone else because that's just what he does. He just kind of goes full tilt boogie every time he's got something mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think the coupling of him being the MVP of the task plus Everyone knowing that he is in a much, much worse spot financially and um, employment wise than they are. I think those things coupled together would probably lead them to want to contribute to his well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Angel was uh, all over the place uh, in this show. I mean, as Angel does. uh, And Mike, he just kept saying the whole episode, like, uh, feed me, feed me that uh, I got to eat. I got to eat. Now, I'm assuming he's talking about like, give him more work to do and not like give me all the prize money if we win this challenge. No, I'm pretty sure he was just quoting Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> he's just really that much into singing plants that he, he decided to, to quote his favorite Alan Menken piece. Yeah, it's an interesting term, mm-hmm. right? Because he essentially kept saying, like, I got to work. He was really chomping at the bit to just keep moving as many of those plastic tiles as possible. So basically, I think he was really encouraging his team, like, keep unlocking them so I can just keep running them back and forth. But mm-hmm. they, they couldn't keep up. You know, he was at the all-you-can-eat buffet shoveling things down. And they're like, we can't make enough food at this rate to give it to you. Yeah. Well, I think it's a really I think we're figuring out something about Angel. Uh, I feel like I've gotten to know him better than maybe most of the most of the cast last season. I think he's one of those people where he is once he knows what he's supposed to do and he is comfortable with doing that thing. He just wants to do as much of it as possible. Mm -hmm. And you watched the light go on with him like he moves the first one. and He's like, oh, I get this. And now I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's like no question of like he's not questioning himself anymore and once he is in that mindset he's ready to he's ready to rock yeah so forget like what's the freight train task it's like every challenge you should look at like okay what's the angel thing of like what's the like repetitive action that angel could just keep like doing mindlessly like back and forth where he doesn't have to like stop and think about like uh how he's gonna do it just like uh use his energy which is like seemingly limitless but does not really have the ability to like okay wait let me just stop and like okay do some problem solving here I feel like there's a BuzzFeed quiz. I feel a BuzzFeed quiz. Which Tough as Nails character, uh, season two character are you? Yes. 
<laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be like, uh, do you get mad at people who don't unlock their tiles? Are you constantly saying feed me? Like, let's get as specific <laughs> as possible. I want to go back to the idea of, of the, the freight train task, because I do agree that. I don't know. Maybe this is just my own projection. It feels like this season has been more focused on the idea of the crew boss and like the culpability of someone who leads the team. Uh, And to Jess's point, maybe it's that, okay, we're going to give the crew boss more to do each task by creating all of these little subtasks individually. And so that it also does allow people to thrive, because, again, I think as much as Phil likes to come in here and say this is proving that, you know, toughness uh, can be personified in so many different ways. You know, if it comes to like using a sledgehammer to break concrete slabs, there are certain people that are going to be better than that than others. So I do think that if you're trying to create sort of like equalizers for these team Mm -hmm. challenges, especially there are tasks that you can put people on that are not going to, as you said, do the angel work, put their head down and just run forward like a steam train. Instead, you can be a freight train and crawl a mile a minute. Uh, just rolling out these slow chalk lines on the field. An inch a minute, Mike. But yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think I think there are equalizer tasks in there that are meant to not define toughness by this one very narrow definition. They want to they want to say, well, the person that paints the line on the field is could also be very tough. It's just maybe not a more it's not the most obvious tough. So. We've seen uh, Scott not have like the best couple of weeks on the show uh, that he even talked about it in the damn van uh, leading into this episode. I was like, hey, guys, I'm not going to like get all crazy. I'm not going to yell today. Uh, And then uh, that kind of is what happened, Mike. Yeah, Scott. Let me let me put this out there. Uh, I think Scott is the weak link of Savage Crew, Mm -hmm. which is weird because he is one of the strong links in the individual challenges, right? He has won three out of four so far and really seems like definitively the front runner to take home the individual prize. But for whatever reason, when it gets to the team challenges, I think he is really he illuminated it in this episode that. As a leader, it is kind of his way or the highway. And I can imagine as someone who works in a supervisor position, it might be tough to receive that sort of demotion for a task so that when things are not necessarily going his way, he is going to be vocal with his frustration because he's used to doing that on the job site. I want to point out what the through line is on Scott these last three episodes. Mm -hmm. Every single episode, there is a moment where they are doing a team task and Scott is just standing there not doing anything like, hey, I need a thing to do. Someone give me a thing to do. How is it that everybody else always has a thing to do and Scott sometimes just sort of drops the thing he's doing and and has nothing to work on? I don't know. Uh, You can take talks. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised like the camera pans back and he's got his phone out and he's taking a selfie or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I do feel like Scott's not much of a team player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I do. But I also feel like along the same lines, we've gotten so much more of Scott, like even more than Knuckles, more than anybody Mm. this season. We know Scott very, very well. We know Angel pretty well, but we know he's not going to win because he's already out. Scott is the person that we're getting is getting the most airtime every single week. And I don't know if that's because he is the not obvious weak link. They're setting him up to like take second place or it's an early bump so he can get voted out next week. I don't really know. Not voted out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to watch. Like there is a moment of Scott being useless every week. And I <laughs> yeah. don't know what that's for. But, but in the team part of the challenge where I, I yeah. do wonder, like, uh, so, you know, the show really has like two different games going on. Like, how important is it to be a team player in the team challenges if your ultimate goal is to win the individual game? I mean, it's a good question, and that is what is also very intriguing about the way each and every person approaches it, right? You might have people, and we've talked about this with Phil, who say, well, listen, the individual competition is really what matters, so I'm going to take like a step back and not really help out with this team challenge. And then you have, for example, the final team challenge of season one, where Murph gashes his hand open trying to win that log sawing challenge, despite the fact that he's still in the individual competition. So I feel like if people were... I wouldn't say sandbagging it, but maybe 
not necessarily pushing as much as they could mm-hmm. to win the team challenges at the expense of, of not expending their energy for the individual challenge. I can understand it. I don't think they would ever say it, though, because mm-hmm. I feel like that is that sort of is antithetical to the show. I feel like you might have people like Meryl say, like, I'm going to be like a YouTube bomber. I'm going to be like Danny Boatwright 2.0. I'm going to stay under the radar and then I'll pop out and win two hundred thousand dollars. That's well and dandy but i feel like if you have people on the show saying i'm not going to try as hard today to prepare for the individual challenges that doesn't feel like something tough as nails as a show wants to put forward to its audience sure tough as nails doesn't want anybody to sandbag anything ever unless they're doing some sort of a challenge where there's flooding and then it's like put sand yeah yeah literal Literal sandbag yeah (laughs) sure Sure. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, uh, Dirty Hands is going to win this one. Savage Crew, that they make a uh, valiant effort there, but they ultimately just get uh, burned out. I feel so bad when, like, when Swifty runs out of gas. Yes, yeah, Swifty is also in a really interesting position, too, because like Jess, it seems like the Savage Crew storyline that we keep experiencing the past few episodes is like they start off fine. Some sort of communication breakdown happens. Scott gets angry slash frustrated slash regrets his decision slash and, useless and Swifty and Swifty gasses out. Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm done. I'm done after a while. And yeah. listen, dude, uh, I love your nickname. I love you as a person. Maybe don't try to like beat your mile marker mm-hmm. as soon as the as soon as Phil touts yeah. the work whistle. Phil was like, look at Swifty go. He, even with an injured foot, he's leading the crew. But then by the end of the challenge, like inevitably, uh Swifty is like, uh can Selly get an IV started for Swifty? <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing is, I, I really appreciate everything that Swifty's bought. I feel like this episode, especially, ironically enough, despite Swifty not being in the OT, we found out so much about him and his background. But yeah, it's it's odd, this this like phenomenon where he'll take off, but he'll like expend all his fuel. He yes. like, presses the, the, the nitrous oxide button and like gets a huge surge forward. And then is like, oh, crap, now I have no fuel left. Well, I might as well like huff and yeah. puff my way through this. Well, I'm going to bring this back to boxing again. Like the difference between Swifty and Angel, like they're both people that come out at an 11 right out of the gate. Angel knows where his limits are because in boxing, you're supposed to do that. And it's called gassing out if you if you go too hard at first and make yourself tired. And one of the reasons that Angel can just work steady and go, 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 go is because he knows exactly where that line is and how much he can and can't expend. And I don't think Swifty has necessarily ever learned that, which is ironic because his name is Swifty, as you (laughs) mentioned. I feel like maybe everybody has their like Wizard of Oz thing that they have to earn over the course of Tough as Nails. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, Scott needs to learn patience and humility and, you know, That'd be a great finale. Yeah, it's a great finale. Like everybody gets their like little fake, you know, certificate of courage or whatnot. (laughs) Swifty needs to learn how to pace himself. Here's a Dr. Scholl's pad for that (laughs) hole in your foot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, the whole thing, like the journey that they, you know, and they acquire the skill that they are missing. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe that would be a, a great uh, season two finale uh, if we can uh, pitch that idea somewhere along the way. Um, all right. So th- th- we have an interesting uh, end to this challenge where mm. uh, Sarah, um, you know, speaking of feet uh, that uh, she quote unquote puts uh, hers in her mouth uh, where she says, yeah, we lost. But, you know, uh, we have uh, three women on our team. And the other team has two women. And th- I thought it was actually very interesting that Knuckles uh, wants to like have this conversation with Sarah. Like, hey, what did you mean by that? Um, and then basically, like, uh, we get to see them have this discussion. And Sarah, like, immediately, like, oh, I feel so stupid. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't have said that. Um, and I thought that that was uh, like a uh, an interesting moment from the show and something that was, you know, uh, certainly, you know, unscripted. Well, you had so many of those last season Mm -hmm. of like you have these one on one conversations where they sort of hash out differences and learn something about themselves and each other and talk about how much they respect the other person. And I love those moments and I keep waiting for those moments to happen. And so I like I like seeing that at this point. Um, What I don't like uh, and this is just a personal pet peeve. Can we not refer to human beings as males and females like they are lab animals? Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that drives me crazy but Mm. also i don't think that they're i don't think they're terribly mismatched here because there's 
I think you have to consider other factors as well. Mm -hmm. Like certainly, certainly women are as a category, um, typically less well built and frequently they don't have as much natural strength as men. Mm -hmm. Biologically speaking, that is true, but also they have, you know, they, I'm just going to throw it out there. Dirty hands has, has, freight train they've got and yeah so they have two women in freight train mm -hmm. and <laughs> so you know what i don't think it's that mismatched um they they have um two women mm -hmm. and 0 0.03 miles an hour with the line thingy <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I i i really enjoyed seeing this not to say enjoyed seeing it but i, I appreciated seeing this you know i think sarah to your point rob made a faux pas she even admitted it yeah and i am grateful that reality shows can occasionally take the time to be like yeah our contestants screw things up sometimes and like let's turn this into sort of a teaching moment instead mm -hmm. of brushing it under the rug and having people bring it up after the fact i like that they use this moment to say you know for for sarah and liz to sit down and say okay this is the institutional misogyny that we experience on the job that's why this comment really hurt in my opinion is because you're essentially putting forward what so many guys in my life and in my occupation mm -hmm. have told me which is as a woman you can't compete with us and it's certainly a question i think we have ruminated as well on when it came to challenge structure so it's it was not a good thing for sarah to say and i'm happy that she realized it as well it this this felt unique to me in that i know you say that the people hash out their differences this to me did not necessarily feel like that like oh we're gonna connect over things this more so felt like hey you brought this up like i want to sit down and and clarify things with you and so it really felt distinct in that way and I, i'm glad it happened i don't know if it was sarah or liz or the show that wanted to sort of put forward this conversation but i'm happy the conversation was made as well because i think both parties sarah especially realized that like she was in the wrong they learned something from it and it's also a message to impart upon people watching the show as well of the implicit or explicit sexism that can exist in these types of professions and how even saying comments like, well, of course we lost because we have more women and they have more men really is, is something that like has a has a lot of problematic aspects tapped into it and also undermines the, the really incredible work that a lot of these women have been doing in this show. Yeah, it. It is distinct in that regard, but it's also like it is so much of like the tough as nails ethos to bring these issues up and to mm -hmm. when there's a point at which this is a this is something that happens to people they definitely want to bring it forward and they want you to consider that you know maybe what you thought about toughness is not correct or maybe you thought mm -hmm. about what what you thought about who could do a certain job is obviously not correct and i think that is we've we've heard that so many times i want people who look like me to see that they can do this job has been a overarching theme across both seasons. Mm -hmm. I really love that about this show. And I think lesser shows would have handled this in a very different way. Like you would have seen the comment, the comment would have just dropped. And then Sarah would have gotten an onslaught of people sliding into her social media to excoriate her for this with no resolution. Yeah. And you would also see or, you know, on some on some shows, they just get them drunk and make them scream at each other. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think and we would get like in confessional, uh, we would get knuckles saying like, uh, like, uh, you know, what kind of person is, uh, you know, she disrespect like uh, basically like let's just ratchet it up. But yeah. not give us like, OK, actually, no, let's have these people like talk about this and try to patch these differences up. Yeah, I think MTV Presents Tough as Nails would be a very different, different show, show in, yeah. in many ways. So I'm happy that they were able to to also because that's also not the show as well. Like this show is not about interpersonal drama as much as we might, you know, in, get intrigued by certain moments. Like, for example, the whole Tara stuff that happened during her downfall in season one. That's not the focus of the show, though. So I'm glad that the show remembers that. And while there might be like a tasty, you know, temptation apple sometimes in the form of like, oh, two of these contestants are disagreeing. They're more so going to take a bite of it and move on rather than sort of grab the thing and say i'm hungry feed me i'm gonna gobble the whole thing down <laughs> yes yeah, so i i love the uh, temptation apple wrap up it's uh one of one of my favorite podcasts yeah, what about what was it forever eden i think was that fox show right mm -hmm. where they were supposed to be like a paradise hotel knockoff <laughs> sure
Is um, every reality show now a Paradise Hotel knockoff? Mostly. No, I feel like a, there's like 50 of them. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back to talk about the individual portion of uh, this week's uh, Tough as Nails. But first, let me take a moment and thank our sponsors over at KiwiCo. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills for every kid. You can get 30% off your first month with free shipping on any crate line with the promo code RHAP at KiwiCo.com. KiwiCo is a wonderful product where they will send out subscription boxes to your house for your children to put together. We all have memories and experience from our childhood that shaped who we are today. With your subscription to KiwiCo, you and your child get everything you need to create that unforgettable moment right to your door. KiwiCo's fun and innovative crates provide engaging science and art projects for kids of all ages, for trailblazing toddlers to more experienced explorers at every stage in between. Look, you saw how fun it was to put things together this week on Tough as Nails. That's the kind of joy that children get when a KiwiCo crate gets delivered to your house. When we get them, I we have to put like, my wife says like, don't let them see it. If they see it, then they're going to want to do it right away and we need to do it at a time when we need to occupy some of their time that they have built all sorts of different projects, things like a solar system. They built these cranes that they can uh, pick things up the toys that occupy their attention for hours and hours. First, they put it all together, they're doing an experiment, and then they have a toy that they can play with. Your child can get super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered directly to their door every month. KiwiCo takes exploration to new heights, from sailing the solar system to harnessing a hydraulic claw, playing pinball, conducting colorful chemistry, and so much more. And unboxing a crate feels just as exciting as receiving it. Everything you need is inside each each colorful crate to your child can get started right away. Encourage your children to be innovators and creative thinkers. They won't be looking for screen time when KiwiCo hits the doorstep. It's hard to find new creative ways to keep your kids busy while stretching their brain, especially now. KiwiCo did the legwork for you so you can spend more quality time tackling projects together with different crates for kids of all ages. There's something for every kid on your list. There's no commitment, so you can cancel anytime. KiwiCo is redefined learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. And there's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate with the promo code RHAP at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. Promo code RHAP. That's KiwiCo.com. Promo code RHAP. And now let's get back to talking about Tough as Nails. All right, so let's talk about the individual competition. Um, and so we have a bunch of seats in the stadium that seats, are baby. missing. Yeah, seats, baby. They're missing. Uh, build the seats and then put them in. And then uh, the uh, other part of the challenge, as Ryda is going to learn, uh, you have to put the seat in the right numbers. Make sure you have the seats going where they are. And as somebody who has put together a lot of IKEA furniture, uh, this lots of places to screw this up. Yeah, I mean, this, sure. was, this was like a two part task, right? There was the assembly part, which I think was more of the hands on stuff. And then finding it. I know that from what we talked about last week with like the next time on, this really did seem like the second part in particular was an amazing race task. In fact, they've done this a number of times, right? I've searched the ballpark for the correct mm-hmm. seat to find the clue. But the first part really did feel like more in line with that that tough as nails typical challenge, especially with utilizing tools. And, and we'll see. I mean, nobody really got hung up on putting the chairs in except Rida that I'm actually surprised more people did not screw up switching mm-hmm. the numbers maybe just everyone was was super systematic but really it just came down to Sally and Knuckles really both struggled with the tool and mm-hmm. I think that just really put them far behind yeah it's weird to me like how much more complex so many of these challenges are this season compared to last season it seemed like you could really follow everything people were doing last season. Like you're going to get the thing, put the thing over here and with the other thing, you're going to connect the things. And this season, it's like, you know, they had to sit through like a 45 minute presentation on how to do this. Mm. And then all we get on the show is Phil saying, do the thing. And then they all do the thing. It, it makes it a little harder to follow, I think. Mm-hmm. And 
it doesn't make me feel like everything they're doing is something I could eventually do. Jess, you could put those chairs together, no problem. I mean, maybe. I, I did actually literally put this desk chair together. <laughs> yeah. I did okay I, with that. And you put it in its right place as well. I did, but there's really only one desk chair in the room, so I, it's hard to get that wrong. Yeah. I mean, it did seem like that the instruction manual that they had seemed like uh, very detailed, very colorful. So that seemed like mm. that they had all the information there. Uh, that there's a lot of running around. Ultimately, it came out to Scott and Zeus. Scott lost his drill bit. But once again, Scott ends up coming in first in the individual portion. I'm really getting Danny Drywall vibes mm-hmm. from Scott in that, you know, I guess Murph was doing pretty well the first half of the season as well. And then he really sort of hit his couple of Achilles heels as the second half of the competition went through. So maybe we'll see that. But it really does feel like both Scott and Danny have this story of, you know, they really can do no wrong, especially in the individual competition. They're just all around capable performers. But I'm really happy about the Zeus pop that we got mm-hmm. here. Uh, it's, it seems like he is a very capable, almost like dark horse candidate to do well as well, considering like he's very composed. He approaches everything with an extremely calm head, which allows him to work more methodically and more successfully, especially compared to somebody like Liz, who is known to be frazzled in those situations. And it's there's nothing that he's really struggled with. Yet next week, they're going to be doing a heights challenge. And considering Zeus's line of occupation, I would not be surprised if he wins the challenge there. He's so. a line man. Yeah, so Is I, he going to five hole it, though? Mm-hmm. He could five hole it. But I do wonder if I mean, he sort of like reminds me of Miles a bit as like this guy who's a bit quieter that we never really uh, counted in much. And he had a couple of, you know, bumps along the way, but he ends up making it to the final. I, I think that Zeus is someone we could very easily see in that top three in that final challenge. Yeah. Um. We end up with the bottom three ends up being uh, Knuckles, Irida, uh, and Selly. And uh, Irida, she ends up uh, screwing her chair into the wrong spot. It looked a little dicey for her, but it's going to be Selly uh, and Knuckles in the bottom two. Could not get their uh, seats assembled fastest. Uh, so uh, definitely, uh, n- n- again, it's a good cast. So hard to like uh, pick out two people where you're not disappointed to see one of them go. But uh, it was going to be a Selly and Knuckles face off in the overtime. And I thought we had a great moment with uh, Meryl and Selly. And, and Meryl, I feel like, uh, doesn't get enough on the show. Uh, just I'm a big Meryl fan also. I love Meryl. I loved her comment in the challenge about how she as like in her downtime when she wasn't flying a plane, she hung out with the maintenance guys just to like learn about maintenance and also say, yeah, I should probably know how this thing works just in case something goes wrong up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she just seems like a really cool person, like just a really chill person to to like a, quite literally grab a beer with uh and so she's she's someone who one of those like one of uh probably the cast member i would most want to hang out with outside of the show and just like you know talk about have her regale me with all of these these maintenance stories but she also does seem like someone who <laughs> maintenance despite, stories i don't know despite being the oldest cast member though i think that she is someone who is doing extremely capable as well again she has that attitude of Listen, I just got to keep going, like put my head down, push through. I don't need to be first. I just don't need to be last. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, see from uh, Phil's other show, The Amazing Race, how that can sometimes be a winning strategy in and of itself. Well, I actually got big Amazing Race energy from her for not only that reason, but the fact that every confessional, um, she is like those NFL players on The Amazing Race where every single confessional they're like tying it back to well this task you know milking mm. this goat is like rushing for a touchdown because mm-hmm. and, you know when i was out on the football field it was very much like this climbing up to the bell tower to retrieve a baguette and it really struck me that you know there's a producer behind the camera sitting and saying well how is this like flying a u2 bomber mm-hmm. <laughs> wait are, are you saying this is like a like a Merrill and Scott have like a Gary and D'Angelo vibes of like they have a rivalry where then uh, Merrill is uh, like looking for <laughs> opportunities to put down Scott. I have not seen a direct conflict between the two of them, but if that happens, I'm they have like a like a trash it. talk relationship. Yeah, a little bit. Has Merrill ever been to Scott's house to see the art? <laughs> we need to know these questions. Yeah, how many PlayStations does Scott own? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, Meryl's very fun. All right, so we're going to enter the Figueroa Club, which, uh, first off, I thought was interesting. I believe this is the first indoor location that we've had here in season two. And I kind of thought that that was, uh, you know, something that was not on the table for uh, shooting uh, during COVID. But here we are at the Figueroa Club bar. And Mike, this was another very unusual locale for Tough as Nails. This is a weird overtime challenge. Mm-hmm. It was I not to say like I didn't hate it because again I, I love the 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 variance that comes with these challenges. I just never if you had asked me okay we're doing a, a week to sort of honor like stadium workers what's the overtime challenge? I don't think if you asked me to name my top ten ideas anything would come close to okay you're gonna go replace these kegs and connect them back to the taps and fill up five beer glasses in the Figueroa Club. Yeah. I liked it though. Jess, I thought this was the highlight of the episode. Yeah, I thought it I, I thought it was really fun and it was it had that party atmosphere. Yeah. I think it, it the fact that you had all of the other contestants sitting at the bar waiting to be served drinks, I thought was a fun touch. And I thought it highlighted, you know, this is something you probably don't think about if you walk into a bar and order a drink. Mm. You're not really thinking about like how does the beer get into your glass and how much actual physical labor that entails, which is something I didn't know about until I worked in a bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do like that perspective as well, that I think it's a way to sort of honor again, a, a sort of handsy tough as nails type of job that probably would not be like, I don't think they're going to have a bartender on the show anytime soon. I may be wrong though, but I don't think that's necessarily in the line for who they want to bring on, but it's still a way to sort of, uh, highlight maybe those types of people that that do bust their butts to do these types of things that we might not think of off the top of our heads. And so I, I think it was it was fun from that perspective. Again, also felt a little amazing racy to me as well, right? Of like replace the kegs and then then fill the taps. But I mean, it it also it was a fun idea. I think unfortunately, I I don't know. I feel like uh, the first OT challenge with Tara versus Swifty honestly might have been the best one because i kind of feel like the other ones that we've had the other two were i wouldn't say blowouts but it kind of was that thing where like one person takes a lead and it, it doesn't relent we have not seen much back and forth on the ot's this season yeah well i'm not even sure if the swifty and tara one wasn't a blowout i think it was just that it was like so dramatic because of yeah. everything that was going on with uh tara's hand i think that you know swifty probably had like a commanding lead at the point where then tara was going to try to help him like pull his rope in that's true. But I think to your point, there were, I don't know, they felt different in a certain regard, just because between his foot and her hand and then her trying to help him and then her giving up, there was like so much going on. And I do feel like Angel versus Freight Train had some interesting stuff as well with, you know, Angel's uh, sort of like fastidious nature betraying him here as he just goes too quickly on making the horseshoes here. Unfortunately, it was just Knuckles gets out to a one beer lead and pretty much holds it the entire time. Okay. Um- yeah, I like the part about pouring the beer also, Jess. I thought that involved like some uh, skill also. Uh, Phil definitely seemed like, for, for, first off, uh, kudos to Phil. Does the perfect pour to demonstrate how it's done. Uh, he, he was using terms like uh, beer shower also. Seems like that he knew his way around uh, the, the, the keg lines. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Phil's worked in a bar or two in his time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seemed like that he was, uh, he knew what was going on. Um, and so we, uh, uh, yeah, I thought that it was, uh, very interesting. Uh, so th- there were five different types of beer. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to catch the names of any of the types of beer? I caught two of them. Yes. What'd you get? I, um, I caught calloused hands. Yes. Lager. I got that one. Oh, and, uh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, get your. Yeah, I don't. I don't want any. I don't want calluses in my beer. Um, yeah, no. I got, don't, please, don't, please don't describe the hands that are making the beer. Don't mm-hmm. get hands involved with beer. You know, I think that's a, a cardinal rule of thumb when it comes to naming alcohols. I, w- I was thinking they probably want to name if they're going to name beers. Like if they got like Oma Gang involved in like a small batch beer, they would probably want to name them after the teams. And you definitely don't want dirty hands lager either. Mm-hmm. It's like why our hands are washed in the freshest mountain stream that's funneled into each and every drop of dirty hands yeah. ale. <laughs> And everything we touch is sterilized before we touch it. Yes. Um, and then I got Work Whistle IPA. Work Whistle yeah, IPA. And that, and that was the first. I got that one. And I think the only other one I saw, I didn't hear the name of it, but there was like the, the red one that had the hammer 
as the logo was the only other one I saw. Okay. All right. Is uh, that the communist one, Mike? Yes, exactly. That's really uh, where co- the Karl Marx, uh, you know, IPA yep. really. Proletariat really Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, uh, the, I also caught a Tough as Nails IPA. Okay. Okay. That's a lot of a lot of IPAs. A lot of IPAs. So what I was thinking that we could do, uh, you know, we've got some, uh, you know, great creative minds. Uh, like, are there any other tough as nails inspired beers that we could be coming up with? Maybe for like, if Phil decides, you know what, that's it. We are going uh, the tough as nails franchise. We are opening up opening up gastro pubs across the mm-hmm. United States of America. We're gonna have you know thirty six different tough as nails inspired <laughs> beers. Yeah, to so, serve I mean, the hardworking workers of America after their shift. I don't, I don't know, Rob. Uh, Game, is thrown, Game of Thrones got two beers. <laughs> I don't think Tough as Nails is getting 36. Yeah, it's all about quality, not quantity. But I think we go back to the Dirty Hands and Savage Crew stuff. I mean, Phil did say that he wants to sort of foist a legacy on the show. Could we name them after either current or previous cast yes, members? Yes, yes, certainly. You know? mm-hmm, certainly. Sure. Yeah. Like we could be like a... I don't know, like a, a a Danny, you know, some sort of Danny beer that tastes like very dry, like drywall. Hmm. Hmm. I think I, I'm I'm going with like a Roofer Lee Lager. Roofer Lee Lager, yeah. Um. So I think we could we we definitely we need to have a Savage Brew. Uh, that one yes, to me sure. seems yeah, like that's, that's a no brainer. So put that, put that, uh, get that tap going. Uh, and I think we need to be instead, instead of dirty hands, could it be like drunken hands? You know, can we get rid of, I think dirty is the problem. I think we need to get rid of dirty. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't like it when you, when you advertise drunken right in your, right in your beer, because I think from a marketing perspective, you want your beer to seem like something that you could drink a lot of and it wouldn't ruin your life. Here we go. Party hands. Oh, there we go. Yeah, uh, I think we need a uh, tough as ale. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's a good, good one. one. Uh, how about like I a think... uh, how about like a Philip Kogan? No, you know, it's like I, I thought about it. It's a Pills Kogan. Ooh, oh. there we go. You know I, you're like getting. Time... <laughs> yeah, it makes you raise your eyebrow when you drink it. Mm-hmm. How about the time to go to work wheat beer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about uh, like a? Can we do like a damn van in a can? <laughs> yeah, I think that would be great. And so, if you have ideas for additional tough as nails uh, refreshments that we could be offering here in our tough as nails gastro pub, please send them in to us on Twitter all week long. We'd love to see them. Yeah, that's this is exciting. I think we're we're sort of you know doing the show's work for it so that it can eventually come out with its own line of of brews and it'll have all the punniness to go with it without necessarily mentioning dirty hands in any regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really wish this had been a team challenge so that we could get the badge with the guy with the beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, labeling labeling the beer that would be perfect. Uh, I feel like a freight train. He's like a perfect guy that you have him on like the bottle. No, he's going to be he's going to be like slowly inching the sticker <laughs> down the bottle. It's it's brewed slow. Just t- attention to detail. Freight trail. Yeah. OK. Uh, that'd be uh, very, very fun to have. Uh, the, 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 give me a case of freight train. All right. Ultimately, uh, Selly goes out. Uh, although Selly also made a bunch of uh, metaphors about the beer kegs and tapping them, it's like starting an IV, uh, Jess. I mean, I can see the parallels. And she mentions, she, t- she tells a very disturbing anecdote yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Where, like, imagine, like, she's kind of like, look at what just happened with me and the beer, and imagine that's blood. And I don't want to imagine that at all. That's mm-hmm. not okay. Yeah, so I think Sally has done a good job of inviting us into her work life without necessarily bringing up like, oh, when I change bedpans or like when I have to, you know, get involved with all these bodily fluids. I think this is the rare time where that sort of crossed the line. She said, yeah, I remember I was like spurted with blood at one point. That really reminds me of tapping the kegs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that definitely highlights a certain level of toughness that you have to be to be in her line of work. And it's a toughness I personally do not possess, but Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to picture that. I got a thing about blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ultimately, Sally is going to go out. Uh, Swifty, he loves Sally. He's going to tell his daughters about about Sally. He cherishes the relationship. What a, what a big uh, is, is he Swifty or is he a softy, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's uh, like I said before. It was really interesting to see that side of Swifty. He talked before about how one reason why he needed the money is because he wanted to send his daughter off to college and he couldn't, and that was you know one of the saddest moments for him as a father. And he really is, for lack of a better term, a family guy. And I, I feel like we hadn't really seen that up to this point. Though I do hope. Look, I know that that he feels a, a certain way about Sally. I hope he tells his his daughters about the other contestants as well, <laughs> not not just specifically about Sally only. Yeah, Dad, did any did you play with anybody else besides Sally? Yeah, <laughs> uh, some Joe Schmoes, but Sally, that's where it was at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Well, uh, Jess, anything else about episode five of Tough as Nails? Um, I can't believe that A, we're at the halfway point. Yeah. Mm. And B, we, we're coming into episode five and we only got our second official clock out, which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems like we only, you know, we have only 50% of the series left to go and we still have almost everybody is still in the running. That's kind of crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to highlight, um, how many people mentioned this episode that they had been to college and that they had mm. been on a track to do something different? And I thought that was especially interesting because we talked about it a lot last season about how it was about how the show wants you to understand that it's a really valid and um, and um, it's a career. Having a union job is a career as a career mm-hmm. makes it possible for you to make a comfortable living doing work like this. And that it's something like not everybody has to put their college degree to work in a cubicle. And I thought it was great that Liz is not someone who just kind of like grew up knowing she was going to take a job as a cement Mason. She got a college degree and worked in a coffee shop because she didn't know what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then she found the union. I thought that was that's an interesting variant of the story that we've been getting from the different people. And I, I liked that. I think that's something, I mean, how, who among us has not had a customer service job where they're not using their liberal arts degrees and they're trying to figure out what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I feel seen Jess. I, I mm-hmm. completely agree. Cause even you have the disparity between that and someone like Scott, right. Who said, my dad was a construction foreman. I basically got right into it. Everyone has a story as to how they got into the, the trade and the profession that they did, but they have one thing in common, which is that they're incredibly, uh, they're incredibly passionate about what they do. And so I, I, I agree. I really like hearing everyone's origin stories because you do wonder, okay, how do you get to this point that we see you right now? And you find out that with a lot of these people, it was happening to find their way into this trade and then finding that they fall in love with it. And it's, it's a cool idea for the audience as well of look, you might not want to become a cement Mason like Liz, but maybe there is that other thing that you didn't necessarily go to college for. And you, you find yourself really loving what you do. For example, talking into a microphone for hours at end about a reality. TV. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's fun to see the various paths that they take. And I totally agree with you, Jess, that I, I like hearing more about what specifically got them into the professions that they're in right now. Jess, did you think that Knuckles working in the coffee shop uh, paid any dividends in the overtime of uh, serving drinks in the bar? I mean, she said it herself. She remembered how to pour a beer from college. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I feel like is something you learn in college that serves you throughout your life. Yeah. So I As like that, surveying. you know, using that degree. Um, it's great. Uh, but yeah, working in the coffee shop probably didn't hurt. Yeah. Sally, if you're at the party, uh, don't ask her to go get you a beer. She seemed like that she was uh, not a pro. Yeah, don't or and don't ask her to drive you home either. I think this is this is slowly a building <laughs> list of things we shouldn't be asking Sally to do. Yeah, but you know, I, I would guess Sally is probably the person that mixes the drinks. Like she's probably the mixed drink person because yes. it's a little bit more precision. Yes, she talked about how she has to pay attention to yes. detail and she has to know exactly how much medication to give somebody. So she will measure out that like shot exactly how much to uh, put into the drink. So yeah, you'll be not fun. to mention. Yeah, yeah, not to mention she'll hold your hair back. And then give you a glass of water and put you to bed mm-hmm. after you've had too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she'll say, let me tell you a bedtime story. This one time I put an IV in and blood was everywhere. Well, good night. 
<laughs> uh, next week, uh, we are going uh, back out into the world. Uh, I said so we're going to be washing windows, Mike. Yeah, I don't know if this was like community service week. It seems like the team challenges is that they're covering up graffiti. Oh, yeah. And the and the individual challenges, it looks like they're washing a window. It looks like everyone is struggling. Uh, Scott might have a Murph-esque heights problem yeah. that we might have to deal with next week. So, yeah, we're going to it seems like we're going to stay in an urban environment. Just, you know, look at a different part of it. Yeah, just it, to the point where it looked like in the preview that and this might be like a reality TV show, uh, like, uh, you know, leading us on. 101 but it looked like i mean they ended the preview with like uh an ambulance coming yeah well this has been the season for it i guess mm-hmm. um but i don't know i've i've been i've been burned by reality shows showing ambulances too many times <laughs> yeah well i hope everybody's gonna be okay uh next time you know out what? for tough nails the ambulance be involved in the ot possible oh there you go it's possible you'd be like i you thought i called in this ambulance because somebody was injured but it's actually your overtime challenge mm-hmm. yeah and meanwhile Sally's sitting there like man this would have been my week <laughs> yeah this would have been my challenge um yeah too bad like uh you don't ever know what the ot is because maybe there might be a point where you know maybe you want to put yourself into the overtime well, that's interesting. If you're like, I'm going to throw myself in there because I know I'll be good. Yeah, there's at no it. benefit. You don't get anything. So, I know, um, but it looks yeah, fun. Looks fun. Yeah, if, if there was, if there was like, a, impress the jury. If, if on the cha- <laughs> if it was like on the challenge, if they did like the gold skull twist, right? Of like, oh, if you win an OT, then you automatically earn a spot in the finale or something. I could see people doing. Yeah, maybe that, you have to win an overtime to get into the uh, the final three. Yeah, otherwise it's just for the love of the game. <laughs> they love it so much. They're like, oh, that that looks really fun. Let me get in there. I used to love, be blacksmith on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, oh come on, the beard one would have been the most fun. Though. Yeah, th- I mean that would have been that would have been a fun time. That would have been the time to put yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, uh, Mike. Anything else that you want to say about this week of tough as nails? No, I mean, it's it's weird that we're halfway through. Like Jess said, there was a lot of unconventionality that started out the season, but I think we are back on track, as it were. Uh, at this point in season one, let's also remember that speaking of going off the rails, uh, Savage Crew was really just careening towards disaster. And it seems like things are fairly even, even though Savage Crew has lost two in a row. So I think that the team competition, at least, is going to stay fairly even, which is interesting, right? Because I do feel like through the latter part of season one, I think, Rob, you even said this, so like you were more intrigued oftentimes by the team challenges and the individual challenge just because mm-hmm. of that, that storyline, right? Of like, can Savage Crew Bad News Bears come together and prevail? Uh, I don't know if we're going to get that this season. And so I, I do wonder if, if the team challenges are still going to have as many stakes in them from a dramatic perspective as we approach the second half of the season. Yeah, Jess, do you have any theories on as to why? And I, I'm, I'm not really feeling that as much in terms of like the story of Savage Crew versus the story of Dirty Hands. I feel like that it's sort of like, you know, we're getting Angel story and Knuckles story and like individuals. But I feel like that... Um, to me, I feel like that the the teams don't seem as well defined uh, in season two as they were in season one. Yeah, I always have to stop and think, what team is this person on? Mm. Um, I have to like go back in my visual memory and think about what color did I see them wearing? Yeah. Where I feel like Savage Crew was such a tight knit group. It was like, if you thought of a contestant, it's like, are they on Savage Crew or are they not on Savage Crew <laughs> last season? And that was how we drew the line but this is so much more about individual personalities mm-hmm. than last season was okay um all right so uh a- a- anything else from the from this time out um all right next time we will talk about everything that's going on in top as nails uh episode number six uh mike what else do you have going on these days so usual fare uh, over on Poster Recaps, Down the Hatch with uh, birthday boy Josh Wiggler. Yes. The time we're recording this. Uh, we celebrate a different type of birth with GE on this week. Uh, very important Quan episodes. So check that out. The Bloom Files, Angela Bloom and I are finishing up season two of the X-Files. Which has been- flying through it. Yeah, I mean, we're doing like one or two episodes a week and we're, we're cherry picking. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're really giving ourselves a nice long pour when it comes to the X-Files. And then on RHAP proper, of course, Shannon, Gus and I are recapping Survivor South Africa season five. Sorry, not six, five. We are doing our penultimate recap this week, covering two of the last three episodes. Been a very fun season so far. And then, uh, you know, in the next seven days, Rob, you and I might be doing some more Outwit, Outplay, Outlist yes. to come. It's going to be a little, little TBD 
D, I think, until we, we cement things further, much like Cole Liz is, yeah. does uh, in her day to day. But should should hopefully be some more Survivor fun with us coming your way soon. All right. Looking forward to that. And Jess, how about you? Um, well, in addition to this every week, I'm over on Post Show Recaps uh, talking about The Walking Dead with uh, Chappelle, and we are having a great time. This past week, we got you to come on and talk about The Walking Dead, even though you have not been watching it's it very for about confused. three years. Yeah. So was, was, this, was this essentially like, I'm going to describe it to you, Rob, and you react? To no, it I watched the episode. I, I watched the oh, episode, okay. but I still uh, was uh, not the easiest thing for me to make sense out of because there was a lot of time well, jumping. It wasn't. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been watching it all along and I'm supposed to be a quote unquote expert on it. And I had trouble mm-hmm. following it. Also, it was stupid and it made me angry. So that was mostly <laughs> why I wanted you to watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feel so that that's misery my, together. Yeah, that's my nuanced critical opinion of The Walking Dead uh, this past week. Um, and then in addition to that, Poster Recaps patrons got to hear me and Chappelle recap the 1998 cinematic classic Can't Hardly Wait. So if you missed that and you are a post show recaps patron, check that out in your feed. Okay. Um, last night I uh, got together with uh, Grace Leader and Asia Welch. We talked about the 31st best season of Survivor, uh, Survivor Game Changers, which I thought was super interesting uh, to go back and take a look at. It's just like, uh, it's a season in which like production tries a lot of things and all of them go horribly wrong. Like, uh, like basically like I, I don't even know if the decisions that they made were all terrible, but they all have like go in the worst case scenario outcome. Uh, so we talk about like, uh, everything that went on there in that season. I thought it was one, one of the more interesting seasons to go back and rewatch, uh, on our weekly countdown. If you haven't listened to it, uh, Mike, I, I got to talk to Marilyn Mad Dog Hershey. Yes. Take your teeth out, RHAP Nation, in honor of Mad Dog coming to the podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, that was one of my favorite interviews. Uh, Mad Dog is still, she's 71. She's still getting it done. And uh, that was a, a lot of fun to catch up with her this week. Plus, all of the uh, Big Brother Canada shenanigans uh, going on. Uh, of course, uh, there's uh, Taryn's daily updates. And of course, we've got live recaps after all the episodes. And I myself have been holding down the Monday night recaps of Big Brother Canada. We had another round of Twish Ultimate Trivia as well uh, this week. So uh, check that out all. Rob is a website dot com. Uh, for all of that and robswebsite.com slash patron for everything going on in our patron podcast feed and to help support all the shows we're bringing you here on Rob Has a Podcast. All right. Until next time, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And it's hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today.